Hello, and welcome to Such a Nightmare Conversations About Horror. My name is Katherine Troyer, and I am so excited that I get to be joined, as I always get to be joined, by Tony Trusca. Hey there! This is a podcast where the horrifically nerdy meets the terrifyingly academic, as we explore that fine line between the horrific and the horrible. Each episode looks at a specific horror text that is for better or worse, giving us nightmares. And we are so excited to have you join us today for our conversation over 2022's Nope. Ah, yes. Nope. I have so many thoughts and I'm I'm going to just begin by saying that I'm not entirely sure that they are in any sort of like semblance of order. So before before we get into what will apparently be me just having lots of disconnected thoughts. Tony, would you be willing to give a brief summary of the film for those people who have seen it and just don't remember it? You probably should watch this film before listening to this episode because it's there's going to be many spoilers ahead. But in case you haven't seen the film, this will also let you know what's happening in Nope. So we are in Hollywood land. We are in the land of filmmaking and we're following a family who is specializes in bringing horses in for Hollywood television and things in the industry. We're following Otis and Emerald Haywood as they are trying to navigate their way through Hollywood when all of a sudden uh, Hollywood and casting and filling horse quantity is the last thing on their mind when they are met by an unidentified flying object. Although they'll soon learn it's no, it's not an object quite. And I guess yes. that's probably where we should jump in. So this is not our first time talking about Jordan Peele on the podcast. No, in fact, Jordan Peele is in large reason the reason we started this podcast. Yeah, I would agree. If our listeners don't know, uh, we talked about it in our 50th episode and also on the Us episode, uh, Us, the 2019 film by Jordan Peele. We had a bit of a mixed reaction to that film in comparison to Jordan Peele's first film, Get Out, from 2017. Yes. And we also had a mixed reaction compared to how it seemed most people were responding to us. And so if you look at our, our playlist, right, it is our, our, our third podcast episode, but it is actually the first episode we recorded. We just decided to maybe not begin our Such a Nightmare journey on such a negative note. So we decided to, to talk about some films that we enjoyed a little bit more. But yeah, Jordan Peele is, our, is part of our origin story, which... He doesn't know, nor does he care, I'm sure. But no. he very much is. And so it's fitting that we are talking about Nope. And I think this is perhaps the Jordan Peele film that we disagree on the most, it sounds like, from our initial conversation. because Yeah, so we were both very, very positive about Get Out. Yes. We both had much criticism for us and the things that we liked, we liked in agreement. For example... Every film student and horror scholar should watch the, the the one of the many cold openings of us that's set at the the carnival or whatever that thing is. Right. So we, we were very much in agreement about pretty much every beat for both Get Out and Us. But I think you're right that we are 
in disagreement here. So why don't we just go ahead and start by like general impressions. Tony, what, how do you feel about Nope? I really liked Nope. I really enjoyed the characters, I think, in this piece. I think these are my favorite characters that Jordan Peele has ever written for the film, for the screen. Oh, interesting. I really just, I loved the chemistry between Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer as sibling relationships in a very like healthy and different kind of sibling relationship than I've seen commonly portrayed on film, particularly in adult siblings like that. I thought I found their relationship to just be incredibly endearing. And I also am a huge Stephen Young fan. And I loved all of the Gordy's home stuff and stuff that was going on over in that amusement park, just proving that if you give Jordan Peele a camera and a cinematographer, he can make any carnival look so deliciously good. I am in agreement with the, the the words that have come out of your mouth, the sentiments that you have. Well, nice. I guess we can end the yeah, podcast very so late. <laughs> yeah, that end. Um, and in fact, I want to start by saying that that when the trailer came out, and I, I closed my eyes as I usually do in horror film trailers about halfway through because I don't want to see all of the scenes that like you want to be surprised by. But from the start of knowing about Nope, I was like, Jordan Peele is making a film for me because I love backstage films right like i love yeah. films about films always have always will i love films about theater you know it just it's so, perhaps so it's our box. perhaps it's our performing arts background that make it us is particularly most inclined <laughs> <laughs> yes it is most certainly that and but you and i also are just big fans of meta films right um as a, as a general rule so you know that was a point in his favor as someone who like most girls and slash all humans should be except for again those who might be allergic i loved horses as a child you know with a sort of passion and told you know i starting with my little ponies moving up to briar horses moving up to real horses when i got to um after like years of, of begging and weeping um take horse riding lessons never was able to convince my parents that we should buy a horse because that's what happens when you're not wealthy um but you know like so it was like, this film's going to be about Hollywood behind the scenes. I was like, yay. And yeah. horses. I was like, yay. And <laughs> it's going to be Jordan Peele. And I was like, you know, and so much like the um, the windsock puppets, you know, my arms were, were like writhing in the air and I was super excited. Yes. I also really, really like Daniel Kluwa and I'm a big fan of Steven Yoon. So, so again, there were the actors that I was excited about. But to be perfectly honest, it's not even that I hated this film. It's that I just felt very ambivalent about most of it. Yeah. And when I had feelings, most of them were closer to the negative end of the spectrum than the positive. Or there were more towards the negative end than the positive. So I did not enjoy the, the relationship between the siblings because I very much felt for OJ, um, for Otis Jr., and it just it frustrated me. How he was having to be, you know, the one being responsible time and again. Like, so it was very hard for me to find, even though Kiki Palmer was amazing, she did a good job as an actress. I didn't find her character, I didn't find Emerald to be as funny as I know a lot of people did, because for me, she was deeply frustrating. So, and I, I think that's a, I think that's a, that's very fair. I think that they're just, they have, I like, I kind of like that, that two different relationships to kind of, this responsibility that they both have it's just and 
I thought that it kind of ma- it made for some interesting tension. And I was yes. I was in I was into it, I think, particularly because I think you could always clearly tell where each of these characters was coming from. Like Kiki Palmer's yes. uh, character of Emerald clearly had did not have any interest in this horse farm and was definitely trying had fixed her sights elsewhere and was trying to get out. Whereas Kaluuya's character just was so de- this was the only way he knows. This is the only operating right. status that he knows. And so you put these two people in the same room, natural. I think it's only natural that they're going to butt heads. And I, yes. I could definitely see, like, I definitely see, like, where why you'd definitely be annoyed with with Kiki Palmer's character. But I thought it made for interesting tension and it felt did. very realistic to sibling relationships, yes. particularly to their to their families. Because I'm like, no, I, th- I think you're absolutely correct. I think it's so. You had said earlier that this you used the word healthy and talk about the siblings, and I I disagree with that. That word choice, but I think you're right that the tension is really effective. You know, if we think about, if we extend the metaphor that that Peel's using of thinking about, you know, types of horses, you know, OJ's character is definitely that horse that like doesn't really want to be there, but is dependable, right? And and Emerald is that horse that like is perhaps too high spirited and you might have to sell, which we, we actually see that conversation happening, right? Where Otis Sr. is like, this horse is a fine horse, but not a good horse for us, right? So I actually thought like that part was lovely. I think my problem was, is that I felt like too much of the comedy and the comedic timing rested on on you finding Emerald's character either relatable or precious or likable. And, and I didn't. So a lot of her humor for me fell flat. And one of my favorite parts about Peel is that he knows how to make horror about comedy too. And I just felt like for me, I know some people have said that this was the funniest for them of the three films. For me, yeah. it's the least funny. Interesting. I think I I was inclined to, I, I think I actually think it's about as funny as Get Out. I think, I don't know if it's funnier. I, I've seen Get Out more times than I've seen right. this film. I guess just also for our listeners, we've at this point, we've both this only seen no one time. So Correct. Um, but I, I, yeah, I thought that Kiki Palmer's, I liked her bits. I liked I, she just she felt like real people whom I know in like the in like the entertainment industry who just See, always have their like, like who always has their like little their vape pen and is just like so aloof and is clearly they're the good they're the good at the talky talk but they have no empathy and so I was like I don't know if maybe healthy or maybe I take back the word healthy but realistic yeah. and I know who this person is. Maybe was like, I, I was able to find the humor in that situation because I'm like, I think that is, I was just able to acknowledge that character as being kind of a sad, like almost a satirical element of like what you have to do in kind of the business entertainment world. Because, and I think that relates to the larger See? themes of spectacle and entertainment industry. And Kiki Palmer has a lot more in common, I think, with Stephen Young's character than she does with yes. Daniel Kaluuya's character. And you know what? You say in this, like makes perfect sense to me because you're right. This she is absolutely a perfect sort of somewhere between caricature and you know comp- composite character of all those people. And honestly, those people are the reason that I decided not to go further in theater or film on the industry. You side. see, well, there you go. Because that makes I, sense. I couldn't take them. Yes. So keeping that in mind, that explains a lot. Okay, so. I did find funny, though, if we're talking about things that I thought worked really, really well in terms of comedic elements, 
the character of Angel Torres, played by Brandon. Oh my God! This, the cinematographer. He, yeah. Is this the cinema? No. Oh, this it's, is the tech. No, this is not the, the cinematographer. cinematographer. I want to talk the, to, like, but the tech guy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is the tech guy. That's like the the equivalent of the Geek Squad that keeps like inviting him into the exper- himself into the experience. Because I just thought, you know, like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, right? We we often in horror have these teams being built, right? And there's, and if it's like a film that's about like a, for example, a ghost hunter crew or whatever it might be, there's always that like moment, usually in some sort of montage form where they're like, this is Susan. Susan's our cinematographer, you know, and then we see Susan take a long drag on her cigarette. And they're, they're like, this is, you know, Billy and Billy is our medium. And, and like, it's the team, right? I don't think I've ever seen a film, a horror film where they're assembling a team and one of them has just literally forced themselves in yeah. to the <laughs> to the team. And so that was delightful and very amusing, as was the cinematographer. Yeah, I, I think that the team that they get by the assembled by the third act, I think is very, I thought that they were, had great chemistry together and they were very, yes. very amusing. Yeah. I, the cinematographer's, I also think so accurate that he was just like willing to die for his shot. I was like, yeah, any cinematographer yes. who I've ever met or talked to, I'm like, I think that's all. That's maybe another one of the things I liked about it is I think Jordan Peele has really, in this one, captured a lot of really specific types within within entertainment. Yes. And a lot of types who I don't think normally are in the same room with each other yes. and forces them to not only be in the same room, but coordinating and organizing the capturing on film of this yes. unidentified flying object. Because one of, one of Peele's strengths is that he understands so powerfully the way that you can communicate legions about a character through some tiny little elements. So for example, the fact that the cinematographer played by Michael Wincott, the character's name is Antlers Holst, the fact that he wears a kilt, right? I just kind of tells you everything you need to know about this character. And the fact that um, he watches, like when you first meet him, he's watching animals be consumed. Yes. You're like, mm-hmm. Yes, he's watching his own his own footage over and over again, you know, and, and also his sis, the fact that he's still doing almost all of it, sort of old school stuff style of, of editing. Yeah, we, we know everything we, we could possibly ever need to know. And again, I'm speaking about so many things that I, I liked about the film. And I also liked how the film began. I thought that that opening scene where we see Oda Sr. You know, be killed and we don't know yet why things are falling from the sky. I mean, Peel's a master at giving us these really unexpected scenes. And same thing with the, it was the, that scene as well as the scene, scene in Gordy's home right at the beginning too. There, yes. So Both so much full yeah, of mystery. Yeah, and I need to talk about Gordy's home. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed you hadn't mentioned my pal Gordy, whom I yes, one of the one so, of the more interesting and I think elements of the film that I am I have the least clarity of thoughts around that segment. I think it's more interesting to me than anything. I at this point, what did you? What are your thoughts on the on the Gordy's home? Yeah, so so I want us to get into Gordy's home by talking about Stephen Yoon's character. Yeah, for for a second longer, you know, Ricky Park, and because you know this is a character that we we start to peel back these layers on, and again, like you said, you know, if each of these people is a composite of a certain type of character who's in Hollywood from the people who honestly don't care that they're a part of Hollywood, it's just a job, then they like what they're doing. They just don't like the camera part to, you know, um, people that are 
behind the behind the cameras like the cinematographer. Ricky's character is interesting, right? Because first off, he's wearing Western clothes and but the not real Western clothes, right? Like this costume of it. You know, as someone who's Asian, if we think about all of the complicated ways that we have constructed Asian identities through our narratives of the Old West, that's really interesting. And then you find out that he also has the shrine to the show that was literally one of the most traumatic moments in his life. Yeah, I think it also is another element that he's also he's also a child actor. Like, that is his upbringing. Yes, So he's yes. always oh, so been important. performing for an audience that is not himself. Yes, yes. So I loved everything about that. I thought all of that was really great. I even really appreciated and thought it was super fascinating how, you know, he had been making part of his show, uh, you know, bringing in this this alien and just like let, watching, you know, it consume people. So all of that I'm in favor for. And I also thought the most interesting and the best part of the film was probably the Gordy's home stuff. Mm. But I, I don't think it should have been in this film. Mm, interesting. I think that this is an example of someone, and this is my real big complaint with this film, period, is that somebody needed to tell Peel to edit. Interesting. And we've talked about this before with other, you know, really like important figures that like no one's going to be that person who's like, hey, by the way, Jordan Peel, even though you single handedly, you know, have changed the, the face of, of the horror genre, it'd be great if you cut out 30 minutes uh, minimum of your film. Or created some better connections, but like I thought it was too good to be wasted as a beeline. Interesting. I I liked it kind of. I liked it the Gordy a lot of the Gordy stuff because I think it particularly like related back to Stephen the cyclical nature of Stephen Young's character and how he could really never escape this like initial incident and how then he was like basically forcing people to then relive his trauma over and over again and then just because there had never been a breaking point to any of that he just keeps doing it until he then literally creates that situation where he invites people in to be eaten and consumed by aliens yeah i agree with all of that i think it then should have been an a line as a, a part of the a plot as opposed to this like weirdly embedded b plot um and that doesn't mean that the character needed to be in the film more or anything like that but just the way that the film treated that segment didn't feel like it gave it the justice it, it deserved for how complex it is. And I realize you can have a, a subplot that's really complex that can still be a subplot. I just don't think it, it fit in, in this film. I think it just didn't make sense as it was presented, either with how long it was and it needed to be longer or it needed to be shorter or something. But there, even though I 100% agree with everything you said, in fact, I think it's brilliant what you said, I still feel like one of these things is not like the other and not in a not in a good way yeah i don't i think that i like the kind of the some of the ambivalence there and like how it was just kind of a kind of th an acknowledgement of this character's distant like distant past that it was and you're showing like I thought that it, and the jumping in it kind of came back kind of reminded me of like almost flashbacks and if we're taking it as being mm -hmm. These Gordy's home segments are basically like PTSD flashbacks from Stephen Young. Then I think I'm willing to go with it. And particularly like within, and that's why I think I'm okay with some of the weirder moments within it. Like when the shoe is just standing mm -hmm. up because I'm like, well, of course he's a child. Maybe just miss, he's just focusing on these seemingly magical things that are happening in there mm -hmm. to try to make sense of this trauma, to try to create a story to tell. Mm -hmm. Because if there's no story, then was it worth it? 
then how do you justify? How do you continue going on after having watched all of these people die? And so I think maybe just from like, now I was willing to go with it because of like, it would, I thought I was like willing to think of it as like children's PTSD trauma flashbacks and like just these little moments in there to give us little color about Stephen Young's character. However, I also get the argument that it is an interesting enough plot line that that could have been its own film. Again, you're saying such beautiful things that are so, I think, correct, not only in terms of how to read this film, but also correct in terms of speaking to Peel's bigger just talent as a as a storyteller. But I, I think that then I would have wanted either to see to see that sort of magic realist thread or that like from the child's point of view or something like that from Otis Jr. too. Or, you know, like I yeah. just I feel like this film and this is this is really my central biggest problem with this film. And it's a problem I had with us. And so it worries me as a, as a perhaps pattern is that I don't think this film was as tight as it needed to be. I think that it, it was about 30 plus minutes too long. And I think that there were times that, that the film became a bit indulgent. And, and I felt that way about us as well, which makes me wonder, you know, because, because Peel spent so long on Get Out because that was sort of his passion project that he was tightening and, and playing with all along. You know, where is that line of where we're willing to say he's he's a genius enough of a of a writer and director that we're willing to to say these other instances are, you know, exceptional and these these moments of, of indulgence are worth it. And when if it was another director, another writer, same film, but not someone as well known as Peel, would we say this film was flawed, right? And I think I think we're quickly getting to the point where his status as an auteur it's going to mean that some people are going to see this film as being better than it was not for the sake of the film, but for the sake of, of Peel. And, and I know that that, you know, my, my partner hated this film. I had to listen to like 45 minutes um, of her just being like, I, I hated this film. And she kind of went on. But what, what she was really saying at the end of the day was for a film with this big of a budget, with for a film with this, this amazing of a director and writer who has illustrated the power of being able to not hit us over the head with certain things and to produce something that can be really tight, something about this film just felt like it didn't hold up to what it could have considering and i wonder if there is some actors. like just tension that is ever present in like this idea that he is tackling spectacle and this idea of like grandiose things of like you just throw everything at the wall kind of idea this that idea in hollywood big 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 go big go home yes. and i wonder if there's some tension in that like because that element is very present within the film. There are a lot of big spectacle yes. sequences. If there's some tension there with also how much exploration and how interesting these characters are. I, I kind of enjoyed the revelatory, like a long, long character moments. I know a lot of, been reading a lot of um, discourse online about how people really did not enjoy the second act. They were like, the second act was so long, so meandering, and we just had to sit with these characters until the big... A UFO sequences would finally happen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I enjoyed those moments of character and how long he was teasing us to make us wait for it and kept twisting and playing with because we were like, oh, it's the ship. It's the ship. What? No, it's an animal. It's yeah. just an animal. And then it relating back to these other themes that have been really nicely established with the horses yeah. throughout the, the rest of the film. But I also definitely see the tension of what you're saying of like, you just, it's hard when you're like, doing all the spectacle, throwing so much there, but also you're like, 
you only have so much time to make a film and you have people's expectations. Well, and, and to be honest, I actually had very little problem with the concept of act two. I'm not even sure I had a problem with how long it took because I actually think I appreciate films that remind us that if we were to ever be in this type of situation, we would not get our act together for weeks or right. months. Like, and, and because we couldn't afford to financially, because you can only spend so long in flight or fight before you return back to, to what you were doing before. So I actually had, I had no problems with the fact that it took them quite some time to figure it out. I think I just had problems with the fact that it felt like instead of in us, when we had several cold openings in, in this film, we just had several films. And I would be okay with that if I felt like that had, if it had been stitched together properly, but I don't think it was. I guess I, it all really came together for me in the third act with the final, the, with the final sequence of them kind attempting to capture on film this thing that has caused them so much pain. And they're willing to let part of their team die for, to capture this spectacle mm -hmm. to be able to entertain, which is literally what's happening in the in this movie, in the movie industry. And I think is yes. also kind of, it nicely articulates a lot of the themes that are present within the other subplots and within these other characters, because it relates back to it's, to Stephen Young. And and this idea that you have to put your trauma out there for people to see in order for it to give value, it relates back to these other two characters' struggles that the only value they've been able to provide for Hollywood is through their horses, so they have to give back on that. That's the only thing they do. And if, what if they can't get that horse farm up, so they've got to continue to find a way to make it relevant. So I thought it all came together really well within that third within that third act and i thought it was honestly i i was even a little bit the third act was i think a little bit frightening to me because i was like to see these characters mm. who had been so much like oh we're not good we're not we don't want to indulge in the exploitative nature of hollywood then right. to come and go back on everything they said so that they could get famous themselves in order to get ahead yeah i was like that is i thought that was very effective yes. horror and it was honestly a horror i was not anticipating which i was like Again, everything you're saying is is why I just feel so ambivalent about yeah. this film because you're you were making such a an an amazing argument. What you were saying is so true. It's 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 emulating how I feel. You're just articulating it better. But where I think the film loses me is not in its parts, but in the sum of its parts. And a really good way of of explaining that is that I actually thought one of the worst parts of the film was the way that he segmented it by the horses because I don't think he actually did it well. Like, if you're going to make it about the horses, like the section titles, the right? The ghost, clover, then you gordy, need lucky, to, jean jacket. Yes, yeah. yes. If you're going to make it about the animals, then you need to find a way to make it so that your explicit framing device, right? Because he actually has title cards that remind us we're in this new section, that the explicit framing device is more than just being like, and excluding the Gordy section, some of the other ones where they're just like, remember Jean Jacket? They're like, go be like Jean Jacket. Like you, they, he should have, and he was, he's capable of actually changing it so that each part, if it's a Jean Jacket part, if it's a ghost part, that it, it needed to be more different in terms of like, either we needed to have more of the horse literally, or more like Peel style. We needed to have a sense that this is this is the world for those of us who identify as ghost. This is the world for those of us who feel we are Gordy, right? Because there's this huge message in here about like, are we the animals or are we the humans? Do we have the agency or don't we? And he's not 
I we I go back to I he's better than and I see than the flaws of this. I, film. I think that that what you're saying I, this is so this is so interesting because I think that that this shows that there is at the very least there is a lot here to chew on because mm-hmm. everything you're you everything I think I agree with everything you have just said and I've I kind of find that interesting and kind of almost horrifying that we don't spend more time on these animals and that ultimately at the end of the day if we're forced to go and like be reminded that these animals are being sacrificed and I mean only Otis ever is like, I don't want to kill the animals. But his sister is very quick to be like, yeah. no, I don't care. We, I don't care about these horses. I don't care. We got to be famous. And I honestly think that if Kiki Palmer wasn't there, I think that Otis might have made the decision to just keep sending out one animal, out, to, one horse out uh, as a sacrifice to this uh, UFO and alien thing in the sky because he respects the animal and the he doesn't see that yeah. alien as other he sees it as an animal like himself and relates it whereas kiki palmer sees that as the other and she's like we gotta kill it i don't care about these horses who are also other to her and i so i don't think if she was there that the film would have played out the way it did and i honestly think that kind of i think that relates to the horror that we where we see the corruption of otis where he's like willing to kill these animals in order to get to advance his family's monetary status. I agree. And, and again, when you're talking about the individual threads, char- specific characters, their relationship with things, their relationship with, with the creature, their relationship with the animals, their relationship with the cons- all-consuming nature that is, is Hollywood, I, I'm super okay. I just don't think that if you take a step back, right, if you look at sort of a macro level, that the film was as effective as it was on a micro level. And and a good case yeah. in point is, is that the creature was amazing. Mm-hmm. That that design, that, that con- like giving us something that kind of looks like a manta ray, yeah. but then becomes this like beautiful other There's thing. Great- the fact that it has its own camera lens. I mean, there was so much that was beautiful. And on the micro level, like individual pieces, it was fantastic. Um, how it worked in this larger film is where I began to have problems. Yeah. And I think maybe I, I wonder, yeah. I want, I, I imagine film our, our reactions will change upon an, another viewing. Cause I think another part of the film that I haven't always enjoyed about Jordan Peele's filmmaking, but I, I found myself to like in this one is his, the way that he kind of like will subvert and twist audience expectations. So there's this fantastic quote that he talked about on the interview, on the press junket for this tour, where he was in, in his interview um, talking about the, with the New York Times, he was talking just about how he's like, I really wanted everybody to think that they were coming in for a close encounters storyline, a UF, like UFO kind of thing, but bum, 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 it's actually Jaws. It's a Western Jaws. And I was like, and for me, I enjoyed that subversion. I was able to get into it. And I think personally on that initial, on this initial viewing, any of the like ambivalent things that I didn't quite fully get, or I was like, could be cleaned up. I was willing to go with, cause I liked the characters and their relationships and the thematic things that Peel was attempting to kind of portray. And I perhaps on an, on another watch, I may agree with you and be like, yeah, was a bit messy. I think he could have cleaned it and tightened it up. But I think that, yeah, it's just such an, I think it's just such an, an interesting and rich text with so much there. And I absolutely see why that could be a yeah. problem for some people. But I thought it was a good time. And I was just willing to sit back and like be entertained by the subversion, the constant subversion of my expectations. And I think for me, 
the things that I appreciated about the film, which was a lot, were a whole bunch of strands and threads, but strands and threads alone don't make a film, right? So I was able to love so many of the elements of the film without enjoying the film itself, because I thought that, you know, like, you know, we say that like an object is the sum of its parts, but in this case, the sum, the equation did not equal the same as the threads, right? Like, so if you were to add up the threads, it should be like a really high number for me in terms of how much I loved it. But when you added them up somehow, this, it, it wasn't that element, right? So you couldn't actually, for me, have the film be as good as a whole as it was in its individual pieces, which again, is an intriguing accomplishment. Absolutely. Um, and and I, you know what, Jordan, maybe, and I don't think this is an excuse, what I'm about to say, but in these interviews that I was looking with Peel, Peel's been talking about how he's not done exploring this world and that there are characters who have been established either in the film or honestly, it's been kind of weird. I've been reading about the a character called Nobody who only makes an appearance in the trailer for the film mm. and is listed on IMDb, but is not in the movie itself. And when people have been asking Peel about this character, he's like, um, it's definitely something and there are more stories to tell here. If so, maybe <sighs> we'll be getting more within the Nope cinematic universe. It's based off your sigh. I don't know if you, if you would be I, taking the journey on yeah, the UFO. It's, I, I will, you know, I will watch anything that he makes at some point in my life, right? And and I, I actually, again, I loved the concept of the world. I loved the idea of, of you know, like at least in on a boat, you can be like, well, I don't want to deal with sharks. I'm gonna leave the ocean. So I love you know. I mean, there's so so but much they can't, I love about it. They can't leave their home. Yeah. Yes. They can't leave their home. You know, like this is his territory. You know, and it raises all of these questions that I I think about all the time about like what is our duty and responsibility as as caretakers of the world as opposed to how we think we are, which is the most important thing yes. on the planet. So I and will. I be very excited to see where he goes next in some ways, but I, I have a problem with this grab bag approach that he seems real keen on, right? Of like, well, reach your hand in and maybe you'll pull out nobody and we'll see what happens next. I just, I hate that viscerally. So, yeah. So, you know, but like, again, I loved so many pieces of this film. So I think it's something that people should watch. Yes. I think it's stuff, something that people should talk yes. about. <laughs> I think one of the things that Peel will guarantee to offer is that he is a genius. He is not flawless. He's certainly not perfect. But he has an ability to take stories that we thought we knew and make them in different ways. Yes, yeah, because I also am like, I think that even if it doesn't entirely work, like every time Peel, like, and I think I don't know, I'm going to say this for us too, even when it doesn't entirely work, I always, I always enjoy seeing what he's experimenting with because it's usually more interesting than so much of the other like schlop that kind of comes out of the Hollywood machine. And so I think I'll, I even like, like even when I was like so, so frustrated with us, I am like still so happy he got to make that movie. And I, this yes. one too, I'm like, it's so, such an interesting film. Like it's throwing, it's a, it's a black, horror western about the entertainment about a really specific niche of the entertainment industry and I, we didn't really even talk about the western element that much which i thought made for i really enjoyed i thought i mean particularly just setting yeah. it out 
in the West made for some really gorgeous cinematography. And I liked a lot of the cowboy Not elements. to mention that reminder that the West is is so fabricated, right. right? Like that the only, we have Otis, the real cowboy, like a literal cowboy. And then we have how we all imagine cowboys yeah. are, you know, like, and, and so absolutely. I think you're, you're very correct, right? That there are horror films, horror films we've talked about on this podcast where at the end of the day, it was like, and done, right? We have really nothing left to to say in our, in our discussion of 45 yeah. minutes. We are, you know, 40 minutes in. And like you said, we haven't even talked about genre. We haven't talked about genres, plural. We haven't talked about constructions of the West and what it means that none of our characters who are embodying imaginary or real versions of the West are white bodies, right? I mean, there, there's so much we could talk about, about any of the films. And I think, I think that's what makes Peel so important is you could teach his films in a way that you can't teach every horror film because not every horror film yields these rich conversations it's so much more interesting i think it's so much more interesting than just is it like i think a lot of times like when we don't have a ton to say perhaps about a text we will be like, <laughs> we'll spend a lot of time being like is this an affirmative or a disaffirmative text like yeah. for instance the, the conjuring it's a fine it's a fine film but there's not a ton going That's on got some good jump scares. underneath the surface. It's so, The filmmakers tell you exactly how to feel. The story is so streamlined and clear. There's not a lot of room for debate about, like, what is, what is The Conjuring really trying to say? Whereas this is a very, very different piece. It's a lot. There are a lot more strands. There's a lot more that could go wrong with this story. And, I mean, as clearly evidenced by your response, as well as the response, I, I do have to acknowledge, even though I'm a big fan of it, I've been interested to see the online online critic and critical reaction to this, which has been not, it hasn't been as good for this as it had been for, for us. There had been a lot more people beginning to kind of like push back against Peel, which I found interesting. I was like, interesting that this is the one that you guys are, are pushing yeah. back on. Yeah. Because I was like, I thought that at least in this one, a lot more of the thematic ideas were more fully realized than in us when it kind of just felt like by the second, in the second half, it switched themes entirely and picked a whole bunch of new ones. Whereas at least with this one, I'm like, yeah. I think it's in this box. They're all the same thematic ideas around spectacle and putting your trauma out there for people to entertain and how do you present yourself in a world in which labels are all meaningless and made up by people in power and yeah. so whereas so i think that is like truly commendable and at least makes like we've i mean we've been having a very it makes for a rich conversation regardless of it if does. we agree or not of if it's effective and i said earlier that the film needed to be about 30 minutes shorter but i would like to say or about 10 hours longer right like i actually as you were talking just now, I, I think that I think part of the problem is that this was not a this shouldn't have been a film. You think it right? should have been a miniseries? I think it should have been a, a limited miniseries. Mm. I would now. Um, I'm and not I know gonna, he wouldn't have been able to afford that. I'm not going to I'm not going to yuck yeah. uh, on Jordan Peele be, being given more money and more time to make more horror. So yeah. you please keep going, please. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously that would have been really hard because he would have had to, to get, you know, have. I don't think people are always as willing to allocate equivalent amounts for for a miniseries, particularly as every streaming service is rethinking things as the as as studios are able to give a film. But even if it had been a series of films that from the beginning, not this like reach in the grab bag and see if you pull out nobody, <laughs> um, but like you know, it is a it is a three film arc, right? So it's Act One, Act Two, Act Three. I think if he had so something, right? Because I think you're 
you're right that just as we had plenty to talk about, I think it's I think that would have also solved my problem, right? Because it would have been the sum of the parts would have been different, right? Because it would have been longer. But yeah, you're right. This is a film that deserves conversation. Whether or not you hated it with a passion untold, you loved it with a passion untold, or like me, you're constantly arguing against what the point that you just made previously. Uh, this is, you know, this is a sign that that Peel and the actors he's chosen. And he, the actors he constantly chooses, right? He chooses actors that that prove to us the artistry that is acting. Yeah, and um, I just want to, like... And that's amazing. If we're not talking about this film come um, award season, particularly for Daniel Kaluuya's performance in this film, yeah, I'm going to be very, very, very angry. It's going to be the same, like, same... I know that awards voters don't like horror and, like, refuse to give noms for great horror performances in the past but they've been willing to honor Kaluuya they with get out and so i'm hoping that this will another because i think this is i don't know i his performance in get out is was really good but i thought Kaluuya was the standout actor in this film just because of like his character is so interesting and different from the rest of the characters around him and i think that could have easily been like made him like the boring like kind of like er character but he elevates the material that he is given so much and i just i just wanted to say that again before the film and i i don't i don't and i definitely definitely don't think he will get he might get a um a nomination but i don't think he will win because i think what he was offering was much more subtle than than people are willing to focus on in in the academy right because like his affect is really flat for a good chunk of this film and and it's flat because that's his character, right? He's port- he's embodying his character so accurately. But I know that for some people, part of the problem was is that they they felt he was too flat. I'm not sure I agree because I've seen him in other stuff, and so I know it was a decision, yeah. not a lack of acting ability. But I just I think that the fact that no one's going to know what to do with this film is going to hurt. The it. fact that yeah. you know we'll yeah, and that you know we have to, or the academy feels Fun. at the end of the day that we need to have a lot of white people. Yeah, well, right? you know, I, so, I'm not going to um, agree with that, but I yeah. was like, if fine, if the Academy only wants to award flashy performances, then they should at least be talking about Stephen Young because he's also quite good yes. in this in this movie. I mean, and I liked Kiki Palmer too, but I, I thought that, I thought that of the pair of her, between her and yes. Kaluuya, I thought that I, I really leaned to Kaluuya and I thought that, yes, I, I think yes. It, it's just a, I liked I like that though his performance wasn't flashy like you were saying it was very I subtle agree. and uh, his facial he was emoting so much with and giving so much from his like face and yes. like micro reactions and I think that that is fascinating in because a film one of about the best spectacle. scenes yes because one of the best scenes is when Stephen Yoon's character's children are scaring him yes, in the barn yes. and he's yeah and he's just like uh-uh nope, no i'm not nope. doing this <laughs> you know and like it was such a fantastic like because that was a scary scene because you weren't sure yet what was happening and yet the again it was so flat in terms of emotion but that is how i think most of us would react right so i i agree that the the performances were amazing we haven't even talked about keith david who played oda senior who also was great he did like, a good job there was yeah. not a bad actor and in this film it's just you know i don't have much hope or respect for the academy so <laughs> i don't anticipate them doing the things they should because they traditionally don't yeah so i mean i guess you know uh the 
there are some other elements here too that I think are, or, that I think are at least worthy of like, they are at least award worthy because of how impressive they are too. I think that the cinematography should be in conversation because I, yes. the cinematographer who Jordan Peele um, uses, they shot the whole thing on IMAX cameras because Jordan Peele asked his cinematographer, he's like, if you were going to capture footage of an alien UFO, which camera that you have in your house would you use? And the cinematographer's like, well, I'd probably oh, use my IMAX camera because it's the blah, blah, blah. He's like all these, all of these reasons. And Peele's like, well, I guess we have to shoot the whole movie in that then. And I think it was really effective. It looks gorgeous. It's uh, cinematography is the other element I think should be spotlighted. And we should continue talking about in awards season with this film. We would love to hear from you all and to hear your thoughts about Nope, because obviously, as we kept like wrapping up the episode, but then bringing it back alive and we're like, but wait, there was one other thing. You know, this is a film that I, I think we could spend multiple episodes on and just break down, which, you know, maybe like that becomes something we do at some point in our lives. But this is a film that forces you to have feelings, forces you to have thoughts. Yeah. If you're interested in hearing more from us, you should go and check out our podcast on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from. We have 75 episodes for you to go back and listen to over Woo-hoo. all sorts of fun things. Give us a rating, leave us a like, give us a comment and let us know what you want to see. If you want to see us break down this film into and talk into five episodes, talking about each five chapters, you let us know. I don't know if it, I don't yeah. know if Katie would be super happy to do it, but I'm happy to do it. I would be happy to do it if I feel that way after a rewatch. Yeah. Once we get the rest of the Nope cinematic and- universe, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I don't know if there should be a cinematic universe, but okay. What are people going to get from us next? So we are going to be going back to our franchise roots. We're returning to the Friday the 13th franchise to talk about the final chapter, which is not the final chapter of the Friday the 13th franchise. It's just the fourth film. Yeah, I got to tell you, these these titles in the Friday the 13th franchise are really very confusing. So it is the fourth film. That is all I will remember because I can't remember. There's like, they're all the final something. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, for film number four. In the meantime, we are talking, Tony and I are talking about what our next book will be so that for those of you that are reading, you can start thinking about that. Uh, we just haven't decided because there's a lot of great stuff out there. And again, reach out to us. We are at varying points in our lives, very active on social media. And if you reach out to us on there, we will respond and be excited that you are engaging (laughs) with us. Thank you so much for listening to our nightmares. And have a spooktacular day.